Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James B. Friel. I am happy that you guys are here with us today. Um, kind of, I'm kind of laughing because I just found out that uh, that Dean is wired up on caffeine. Just had an espresso and a latte, so he's riding into the studio a little bit faster on his noble white steed today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the studio, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> yes, this should be fun. I think I've uh, I think I rode in here on a rocket today. So uh, yeah, <laughs> did the white steed have any espresso as well, or is it just you? <laughs> Unfortunately, not just me. So the steed is behind me right now, catching up. And the steed <laughs> needs to hop on and ride me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, oh man, what? So what inspired the uh, the caffeine bender? Well, uh, well, story for another day. But I'm twenty two thousand words into my book today. Ah, excellent. So I'm like, ah, it's like 5, 5 p.m. or something here right now. And I'm like, oh, I need some energy. So it <laughs> right. uh, turns out that was the outcome. So how are you doing anyway, James? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Uh, as you know, we have uh, we have an awesome guest here. Yes, we do. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Cote, welcome hey to the guys. show. Super happy to be here. Excited. And can I, can I miss something? I'm drinking coffee right now, too. It's called a super coffee. So it's got protein and and oh. uh, and some fat in it, and some calories, and some caffeine. So all is good. Oh, wow! Don't right. don't mention any of this to Dean. He's going to make himself a super coffee while we're doing the show, and then <laughs> right. things are going to get even worse. Yeah, I'm just going to attach it as a drip, <laughs> as an IV. <laughs> of <laughs> Dean, why do you have intravenous in your office now? It's the fastest way for me to get things done. <laughs> right, it just sit there twitching in the chair. Like, hey, I can't, guys, I can't blink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I can't do anything anymore. I'm just shaking. Um, oh my god! So Ryan, I, one of the uh, one of the things that I'm excited to talk with you about is a lot of the guests that we have on the show are people who had, uh, you know, gotten the entrepreneurial bug at some point in their life and started a business. But there's a lot of successful business that are family business that have been sort of generational. And you are uh, you're a partner in a family business that you know that's been around for several generations. Tell like what the heck was that like growing yeah, up? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so I'm I'm third generation um, partners in the business now with my two brothers, and my uncle. My dad retired a couple of years ago, so yeah, I started. So I started fishing the business. I guess high school really during breaks, um, during summer breaks, you know, just doing data entry type type work. And um, so I you know I started out very very young, and I actually did not go to college with the intention of coming into the family business. I wish I could remember my train of thought as to why um, and then what made me think to get into it. I know my brother joined about two months before I did. So I have a feeling that kind of kind of sparked the idea in my mind when he joined. I was like, huh, maybe I should do it too. Did you uh, dismiss the idea? Because I know some people, uh, you know, I've talked to other people who have been at, at family businesses and stuff. And some people are like, there's no way I'm ever going to do it. Some people are kind of like, ah, maybe I will or maybe I won't. And other people, it's like, that's my destiny. Like we're like... Where, did that vary for you on the spectrum as you were growing up? or I like, honestly did not happen? even think about it. I, I just planned, I, I, went, I got a degree in marketing and so I just planned on having, you know, 
doing something in marketing. And that's what I was trying to figure out what that would look like. And also, I also, you know, there was no marketing department at Ballantyne. So I think that's part of it too. There wasn't like a logical thought process like, well, there's a marketing team here at Ballantyne. I get to be part of that. And so um, when I, when my brother joined, my brother, Matt, and then, you know, two months later, I kind of, kind of brought the idea up to my uncle and my dad they basically just created a marketing department for me. So I basically was the first marketing person and the only one they ever had. Um, and that's, that was my role. You're just, you're just that good. You're like, you don't need any other marketers. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I meant, but that's what it sounded like I meant. <laughs> it is. I don't know, Dean, is that what you heard? Well, I was thinking you didn't have to say the only one. You could have just said I was the best marketing well, guy in the company. Way, I was a director of marketing. <laughs> yeah. so I was directing myself. I was very good. Right. I was very good. Right? <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's like, I, I guess that's also some of the, um, you know, kind of opportunities and challenges that present themselves in this kind of situation too. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, so when I started the digital division uh, at Ballantyne, I was still doing marketing. And then I was also trying to get clients for digital, kind of pretending that I was a bigger depart- bigger team. That wasn't just me. Uh, and things kind of puttered along for about <laughs> two years like that. Like I was getting clients and still managing the marketing. But in terms of like the clients that we were getting, it wasn't anything too exciting in terms of like the revenue it was generating. And it wasn't until it wasn't until my other brother, Scott, joined the business where I kind of had a partner in crime, someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, kind of make up for my weaknesses. Um, that's when things started to really gel and start to start to you know, gather up steam. So I think, I think there is definitely challenges for being like a one person team. And they say two heads is better than one. I definitely, at least in my experience, that definitely was true because once he joined and I had someone to like bounce ideas off of and strategize and what have you, that's when things started to really pick up steam. Yeah. I would, I would typically agree with that, except when one of those heads is Dean's and it's caffeinated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's funny what you just reminded me of. I remember when we first started doing uh, phone sales as a business, except I was every division in the business. And we used to, uh, I used to call, call customers with an accent pretending to be from my own office. <laughs> <laughs> what accent did you use? I can't honestly remember now, but I remember getting to the end of one call and somebody right at the end, they just went, thanks Dean. <laughs> it was like they'd known it was me the whole time. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> that's awesome. I had no idea about that story. I got another chapter for the book of Dean. Check out those voyages. Yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that features in the book somewhere. It has to. It has to. Yeah. So uh so Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do at Ballantine? Because I think that's uh, you know, that's another interesting thing is you guys have taken uh, you know, kind of traditional print media and advertising and all of your knowledge and expertise around digital and blended them together in a really unique way. Yeah, so we we do direct mail and digital marketing. So that, that direct mail is obviously what we started out with. You know, digital wasn't around in the mid-60s. Um, so we started out with direct mail. We still do a ton of it. Um, just to kind of uh, go back to, I guess, like the 80s and 90s, if you, if you remember like the Columbia House mailings where you, you would get a, you had to like take the stamp, take choose the CDs you wanted, send it back. Oh, so yeah. If you remember those. Yeah, that was my favorite that was the only way I could afford to buy music was through that like one cent thing. Yes, that they that's through. right. So we, we used to do all the stamps for that. That was just a ginormous client. Uh, we used to do all the stamps oh, and wow. some of the printing for them. And then if you remember the AOL disc mailers, uh, we used to we used mm-hmm. to print all those out. So those were two ginormous clients for us in the 80s and 90s. And so we do that's what we do at direct mail. And then the digital side, um, actually direct mail, it's, it's larger clients. But on the digital side, you know, we work mostly with small businesses. So clients that 
really don't have a marketing department or they have maybe one person, that person, you know, we become an extension of that person. So all things digital, SEO, uh, paid search, uh, content, email, websites, all, all the stuff that you're used to hearing about. Yeah, nice. Uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if James had his own intentions of the direction he wanted to take this, but I would love to uh, at least hear a little bit more on the uh, the direct mail side because just on a selfish basis, we've always collected addresses on our order forms and never done anything with them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, anything you want to share on like getting started with that, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So again, in terms of direct mail, the stuff that we do, it's, it's pretty varied. So we, we typically work with very large companies that do a lot of it and they just need help managing the process because it becomes a beast right. dealing with the, the plants, the mail houses, what have you. But we see, you know, like kind of where, where print's going. So we do, we do things as simple as postcards um, up to very complex mailings. So we're seeing a lot of like, you know, we're doing video mailers now where it's an actual folder with when you open it up, it's a video inside and it plays. Oh, I've seen that. So yeah. it's, it's, more expensive, obviously, um, and sure. you know you're not going to send out a lot of them, of course. So it's it's more of a specialized piece. But then we're doing things now with like clear envelopes, where you could put like a self mailer in a clear envelope. There's so many different things you could do with print. I guess if you're asking like if you're going to start out, I would say you know if you're looking to be most most cost effective, a postcard obviously is going to be the most cost effective because there's just less paper, less you know less printing. Um, but I would not. I would go with an oversized postcard, like a six by eleven, what have you, or six by nine. So it's still going to be cost effective, but it's going to be more real estate for you to get your put your message on. And then we always tell clients, right. you know, don't rely on one mailing. You know, if you're going to do direct mail, commit to at least a few mailings that all work together. You know, there's like a staged sequence of the of the postcards that go out um, because you typically can't just rely on one one email one uh, postcard blast. It has to be a sequence of a campaign essentially can you give can you give a good example of what a campaign like that would look like yeah so obviously it depends on the offer but we try to um i mean so all the creative is the same the offer is usually the same it's just hitting the people with like in like six week increments so maybe you send that one postcard and and then six weeks later you send send the next postcard then again rinse, rinse and repeat uh, we often recommend clients if they have a call, if they have a, a team to call the leads, we usually recommend adding like a Perl redirect on there, which is a personalized URL. And essentially what happens is when someone visits that Perl redirect, um, it goes to your website like it normally would, but you capture that person's information. So if you've got a sales team that, that can actually call these leads, you're basically handling, handing them a warm list of, hey, here are the people that got our postcard. Um, and they went to the website and here's their information so you can call them. So that's a great way to, I guess, increase the lead gen of the direct mail. And are you guys sit like in this postcard example, would you guys be sending this to a completely cold mailing list that, you know, you're introducing them to a new offer and maybe they haven't heard of you or are you, you know, sending it to your, you know, past buyers or customer lists or how, you know, what have you guys seen that that works better better than other things. I mean, obviously, the in-house list is always going to work a little bit better, assuming it's the list is clean. It's, it, those are your customers or your prospects. Um, so that's that's always if you've got an in-house list, definitely recommend mailing to them, mailing to them for sure. And it doesn't even need to be an offer. Um, it could be a newsletter, just something. It just depends on the business, but it could be it could be a newsletter that just keeps in touch with them and nurtures them. And we've gotten clients that way. Are are you know for us, you know, for our own marketing, and send a monthly newsletter. We have our prospect list. And then we're we're sending them emails, of course, um, you know, creating blog content, sharing with them, sharing it with them on social media. Um, but also we're sending them a newsletter with tips and advice and what have you. 
Um, so it doesn't need to be necessarily an offer. It could be a nurture campaign as well. But the in-house list, you know, it, it should perform better because those are those are customers that know you. Um, but yeah, we have we do a lot of what you call acquisition campaigns. We're renting data based on target selects, um, and you can get pretty pretty specific. I mean, we do a decent amount in the automotive space now, and you can buy lists for people that are in market for a specific car. Um, so it can get very very targeted. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Just out of interest, I know you you mentioned that you you guys work with larger um, like companies doing larger mailings. But for someone like with a smaller business like ours, what what would be like a minimum sort of mailing size? Do you think to to get started in that kind of thing? I would say it's a good question. I would say you would not you don't want to mail less than ten thousand pieces. That's enough to right. gauge the response. Could you go get it? Could you get away with five thousand? Maybe, but we always say we always say ten thousand. Um, it's a it's a big enough mailing where. You're going to, you know, you have a, a stronger chance of getting a response rate that's actually going to move the needle. And it's still, you know, the most expensive part there is the postage, the print and mail on, on 10,000 postcards. You know, it's not astronomical. So it's, uh, it's still a digestible, digestible number for most small business owners. Right. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I think at this stage, we've got about, uh, I think we've got like 20 something thousand addresses. Oh. These are customers as well. So but we've just never done it, which is crazy because we sacrifice conversion on the uh, order form to gather that data and then don't use it. Yeah. So what you want to do there then is, um, I mean, since you have those e- those addresses, I don't know if you have emails too, but yeah, what well, we're... Yeah, we do. Okay. So we, we're, we're trying to... So even though the audiences here are very different in Valentine, like the direct mail clients versus the digital clients, we do have a lot of digital clients that are now asking us for print, even though it's not what you know, we would typically not go after the work um, because our business model here for print is for much larger companies. But since we're already a digital client, we want them to stay with us for everything. So what we're seeing more and more is just you know, taking that postcard, taking that mail file that you have and sending out a postcard, uploading it to Facebook, getting the matches, running ads to them. You've got the emails you just said, so then you can send them emails. So essentially, what happens is you've got this campaign that's hitting them from all angles. They're you're in their mailbox with the postcard. You're in their social feeds with the Facebook ads or Instagram ads or you know, LinkedIn, wherever you're uploading mm-hmm. the list to. And then you're sending them emails. So then you're you're in their inbox. So you've got a much higher chance right. of getting their attention when you're obviously you have multiple touch points. That's what you could do. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, James, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that. I, sorry, I just took it in that direction. Cause- no, I think that's – and it's interesting to me too because I know you've been talking a lot about outbound calls and all the stuff right. that you guys are doing. Yeah, we're just we're just like looking at all different touch – or like all different areas. Like uh, Ryan just said there, like how many different places can we get in front of them? And direct mail has just been one of those that we've not yet touched. I, I guess like at least in our industry, you know, I think a lot of people are obviously aware of it, but very few are actually doing it. Well, I feel like I feel like very few people are really taking like a multi-channel approach, right? And I and I think that's what I like about what we're talking about here is that you can you know send send the postcard, get them online, you know, collect some information there, know who they are, figure that out, send it over to the call team, like all these things, you know, kind of creates more of a, a web as opposed to just like you know kind of only doing Facebook ads, for example, or only doing YouTube or whatever. It's like, hey, people are going to interact in a way that's natural to them. Sure. Let's make sure we're where they are all the time. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think you're right. And I, you know, and it's the bottom line. So digital is great because you can measure everything, and there's so many different mediums and channels that we can take advantage of. But the good thing about direct mail is that you know you're it's less competition. You're in the mailbox with maybe ten other advertisers, sometimes less than that. You know, and so it's just a way. To, and, and what I like about it is that they've got your marketing message physically in their hand. 
the downside is yes, it's more expensive, but usually if you're doing direct mail in addition to the digital stuff, it, there's just a overall lift effect from just being everywhere. So the direct mail will benefit the the email or you know, the other channels that you're using and vice versa. So it's that, that integrated approach that, that uh, what's the saying? Um, Rise and tide raises all ships. I think I'm missing that up, but something like yeah. that. Well, well, you know, the interesting thing to me is that, um, you know, you have, you have people out there who used to do direct mail mm. and they gave up on it because they just, everything started going digital. And now, like you say, it's like way less crowded in the mailbox. Whereas it used to be like full of stuff and now your online stuff is, you know, completely clogged and overwhelmed. It's almost like everybody kind of forgot about it to a certain extent. Yeah, I think you're, I think, I think you're right. We're, we're just, we're seeing definitely a resurgence in it for sure. I mean, our, our direct mail division here is having, you know, knock a wood, a very healthy year so far. Um, and then, um, you know, the last couple of years have been strong as well. It, it changes though. If I, if, if, you know, I wasn't around in the eighties and nineties in the company. Um, I was alive, but I wasn't in the company. Um, but you know, back then from what I was told by my father, and my uncle, it was sort of like a pray, a spray and pray there were, they would just mail just gobs of direct mail, um, with hopes of a mm. decent response rate. Now, obviously with all the data that we have, there's, you know, there's, you can get a lot more targeted. So the campaigns are smaller. They're just a lot more targeted. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's, I, know, I, I think it's exciting, and, and the personalization too. And presumably, the ROI is better now because everything is more targeted. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly who you're mailing. Like I met, like that automotive example. If we're looking to mail to Nissan, people that are in market for Nissan or whatever car, we we can get that data. So that's you know, that's like super targeted. You know, you're not just mailing to a, a zip code hoping that the person might be in the market for a car. They might be in the market for a Nissan. You can mail to that person who is in market for a Nissan. It's just one example. Yeah. yeah. And just out of interest, I know there's going to be like a gazillion variables here, but is there any kind of uh, sort of benchmark response rates when it comes down to direct mail or is that just too difficult to say just as an open question? I mean, the general... <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Chewbacca was trying to answer, but I think Ryan's probably better positioned <laughs> to do that. Uh, that threw me off. Oh, okay. I got your question. Uh, what one to 3% is what we typically tell people to expect. Obviously there's, like you said, there's just a huge number of variables. What, what is a response rate? Is sure. it capturing just some sort of opt-in? Is it making a sale? What's the, what's the offer? What's the product? But yeah, one to 3%. And that's like, you know, based on like the direct marketing association, which they change their name. I think it's data and marketing association. That's what all the studies they did. That's what that's what their response rate they say is as well. Right. And when when you say response, sorry, just to just speak, when you say like a one to three percent is you mentioned like a sale or an opt in. That's a specific. That's like one to three percent of people actually doing something, not just visiting right, a right, website. Right. Yep. Do you mean? Doing something. Yep. Exactly. Oh wow. Oh wow. I didn't expect it to even be that high. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't either. That's way stronger than I thought. So so if you're just like if you're just looking to send you know a campaign of postcards or something. To somebody just to get them online so that you could pixel them and retarget them everywhere. Do you have any kind of benchmarks for what kind of percentages you'd be looking at just to get them from the postcard to the website? That's a good question. I, I really don't because um, it also depends on – so I mentioned the personalized URL, personalized URL redirects. Those things were the, were the craze a bunch of years ago. And so you know there was yeah. a lot more studies coming out about you know the, the visit rate of from postcard to, to website. Um, but it, it just, it, it depends on how buried the website is. Like we've seen some, you know, there was a basketball team. I can't remember. It was NBA team. I can't remember 
what team it was, but they were experimenting with personalized URL redirects and they were just, or personalized URLs. And they just had literally the Perl right on the postcard. That was all there is. So obviously that's going to pique interest and they're going to get more people to go. We've seen mixed bag. When we were doing a lot of pearls, we, we saw some campaigns where there was a lot of visits and some that just, it just was nothing. So it just, there's so many variables. It's hard to say what the percentage is. But I, I, I'm sure that has a lot to do with the offer and the message. and everything Yeah, and how like front and center you make the URL, how much information you, are you giving the person. If you're giving them everything on the postcard or the mail piece, then obviously there's less reason for them to go to the Pearl. But if they're if you're just giving them minimal information and do they have to visit, you know, that's uh, that's going to get a much, much more, uh, much higher visit rate. So that's pretty interesting. So if like if we sent Dean a postcard and it said and the only thing on the postcard, big oversized postcard, real glossy, good looking, and it said like xyz.com forward slash Dean Holland, then the odds the odds of him being curious enough to go there, like from what you're t- saying, like outweigh if we actually put some more information about what the offer was about. Yeah, exactly. But I I, w- I don't know if I would look at direct mail as a way to get your pixel traffic up. That that I would use more like PPC and social ads because you're just going to get a bigger burst of people. They're already on their phones or on their computer and they're going. So it's a much easier path. Sure. I look at direct mail as more of just an additional touch point of getting your message in their hands, like you know, physically in their hands. I look at it as a way just, you know, another another way to connect with them and to boost every other everything else you're doing. I would not use it as a way to get more people to your website to pixel them and what have you, because it's just, right. if you think about it, it's just like another step. Like they, they get the postcard and then they have to visit the website and it's just an additional step. Um, does, does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Dean, it seems like this could be like uh, pretty cool for like abandoned cart stuff with like two-step order forms and things like that. Yeah. I, and and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking for me as well, like we've got a webinar, obviously we send our customers through to get them on the phone, then selling our, you know, coaching programs and things this this to me is like i i've been dying to do this i just haven't really had that kick to do it because it's just such an un- unknown world to me but i think mailing like all of our you know front end buyers that have spent say at least five ten dollars with us with a direct mail piece to that next step in the sales process i think i think would be amazing to test out yeah i would say if you're going to try it just to give it a better chance like yeah i mentioned before committing to a few mailings but going back to what I said uh, about the multi-touch point, the you know using multiple channels. If you're going to do a direct mail, I would say to give it a better chance at working for you, I would definitely upload the list to Facebook, and you basically you have your creator for the direct mail, and right. then just create turn that into Facebook ads, upload the list, and run ads to the matches using the same creative as the direct mail, um, and then the same thing with the email. So you have like three different channels. That way, you at least have it's just going to increase the odds of the direct mail working because you know at twenty thousand. 20,000 names, uh, what's postage. I think it's like commingled rate would be like 27 cents in the U S. Um, I think I'm pretty accurate with that. So you, you do the math. It's, you know, it's a good chunk of change just mm-hmm. on postage alone. So sure. you want to make sure that you've got to give the direct mail a, a fighting chance. And right. so I would bring in the other guys, the other channels to help. Yeah. No, that's amazing. No, I appreciate that. That's awesome. So this is something that we're just starting. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, you might, you guys might find it interesting. I think it's worth mentioning because it kind of ties into the, the conversation here. But we're just starting to do it. And so if you ask me any questions, I don't know if I'm able to answer them, but let's just say it's basically, it's sort of like pixeling, but well, it's basically you're putting code in your site. And then when someone comes to your site, you're getting their address. So it's sort of like, and you can send, and you can send them a mail piece. So it's sort of like remarketing or retargeting, whatever you want to call it for direct mail. So you have code in your site, someone comes to it, that code, I'm not sure how it does it, but that code 
takes out the finds the address of that person visiting, and then you basically basically can use your website traffic to ba- build up an, a postal list. And so some of our some of our clients are starting to experiment with that now. And so um, it's just an interesting way to use your website traffic to build up your postal list. It's kind of like a cir- full circle here. That's fascinating. So yeah. there's uh, so it's just some IP lookup or something like that. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like it, it goes better than IP because IP addresses it's tough because like in residential you've got multiple homes can share the same IP address. It's different technology than that, but, uh, but it started out with IP address. Yes, that but it's, it's sort of like has um, I guess been improved to be more accurate because like I said with the residential it, it, it could be a little bit inaccurate. You don't know exactly what address is tied to the IP address. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Direct direct mail retargeting. Yeah. yeah. Making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me feel creeped out. That's what I feel. I'm just like, oh, wait a second. That's awesome and creepy. I love it as a marketer and as like a, like a person. I'm like, whoa, that's wild that you can do that. Yeah. yeah. It makes you realize that as marketing improves and gets more advanced, it just, there's people are getting hit more and more and they're getting hit with more personalization. So you have to really step up your game if you want to, if you want to stand out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Wow. That's amazing. So what, um, how many, how many of the campaigns that you were working on with, you know, different clients and stuff like that are taking this more blended approach now with, you know, uh, print and digital kind of like leveraging both of their strengths? To be candid, I wouldn't say it's super common. I mean, we're doing it on a more regular basis now. Um, you know, and I, I think it, it could be just the way we're structured here. Like, you know, we, you know, like I mentioned with the direct mail, we go after huge companies that wouldn't necessarily consider us for digital because we're a small business. You know, we're probably too small for them, just to be honest. And on the digital side, it's, you know, we typically don't go after like 5,000, 10,000 piece postcard campaigns. Um, but that said, we are getting regular requests now for, hey, I want to do a postcard from our digital clients. So something we're getting more and more into, it's just the way our business model here is it really hasn't really cultivated that to happen perfectly. But, mm-hmm. um, but we are getting more and more requests for, you know, brochures, postcards. Um, you know, we have, we just got a new, a newish client off off our website that where we're doing a whole rebrand for them. It's actually a pretty pretty cool business model. It's basically um, it's basically like a think of a like a country club for exotic car owners. So it's basically a, a place with a place for for people with exotic cars to park their car, uh, network with other people that have exotic cars. Uh, so it's like a really fancy, I guess, garage almost with a community built into it. But anyway. Um, so do they we, have a do they have a stable in there for Dean's noble white steed? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend that. That would be yeah. Yeah, please. I feel like that would be good. That's an upsell. That's upsell for members that have you know, <laughs> horses. Yeah, that's for the elite clients. <laughs> what? That's for the elite clients. Yeah, that's right. It's not for everybody. Right. No. No. It's <laughs> only for the cream of the crop. Um that's yeah. awesome. Exotic car owners uh, and horse owners. It's a very rare breed. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, not. There's not very many people who are that ballsy to be able to do that. You know, that's why that's why Dean is leading the pack there. So, so we're we're doing a rebrand for them and all this digital stuff, and then they're coming to us now for like video mailers and brochures for their tra- upcoming trade show that they're, where they're going to announce the the business. So, you know, it's we are starting to get more and more of it. I think I think uh, clients and companies are starting to realize that you know there's not just digital; they they could do print as well, and that's just going to be 
a differentiator for them because a lot of people will just do one or the other. Um, so awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean this, for me, this is really interesting because I think it, it just continues to reinforce the, the idea that a multi-channel marketing approach is like the most mm. sensible thing that you could be doing right now. Yeah. Cause one, like one traffic source gets cut off and people, there's so many people that you and I know, Dean, who are reliant on one traffic source and gets cut off and they're, they're totally screwed. Yeah. Well, what, I, what I've loved about this, I, like, I don't even know, like I say, I don't know if I just took over the show with my own personal agenda there, but um, like you obviously, there's a lot of talk in the digital space now of this multi-channel approach, but that multi-channel approach in digital is like, oh, I'm going to email them and then I'm going to remarket to them through ads. And, you know, there's just these like digital platforms and the fact that like, I just don't think anybody really, at least in my space, like very few people you ever hear of, you know, like the old school methods of di- direct mail, but it's, it's, it's coming back. And I like that. I love it. It's, it's exciting to me. And like you say, I think it's uh, an, an approach or a, or a channel that not too many people go down. So it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's awesome. And I love the idea that the actual physical mailbox is less crowded than your mm. email inbox or your Facebook news feed or any of those things. And one, one more thing to mention on that too, it is not, it's not as crowded. Um, but you think about it, like everyone has a mailbox. Okay. And every, everyone has an inbox as well, but everyone needs to check their mailbox. You need to go through it because you've got bills, you've got things that you need right. to get. So you kind of have to go through it. Inbox, you, you know, you, you don't have to, I guess you, into, well, yeah, everyone's in their inbox every day. Um, but with mail, you have to go through that mailbox because you've got bills to pay and things that you're expecting. And so, you know, whether they skim or not is another question, but they have to go through that mailbox. Yeah, and and I think generally speaking, most people's physical mailboxes are way cleaner than their digital mailboxes. Oh, for sure. Like I doubt most people have like seven thousand two hundred eighty-two pieces of mail in their actual mailbox. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, that'd be an enormous mailbox. <laughs> yeah, you need you need another one. <laughs> it's like, but the point is, it actually gets cleaned out, doesn't it? Yeah, but if you got the budget, yeah, where we see the best results if you do if you do both. Like going back to the automotive. You know, we're always doing, we're always renting the data of that in-market audience, and then we're sending them the email, and then we're sending them the, the direct mail to, as well. Same offer. You know, you want to cover your bases, get them in both spots, because some people will be more in their inbox versus their mailbox, or their, you know, you don't know when you're going to get them, at, you know, get their attention, like what channel is going to get their attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, well, Ryan, thanks so much for sharing uh, sharing this stuff with us. And I think you... Uh, I think you guys have a special thing you put together for Just the Tips listeners. Am I correct? That is correct. Um, so our website is Ballantine.com. And then if you add at the end, Just the Tips, so Ballantine.com forward slash Just the Tips. On there, there's a there's a link to connect me on LinkedIn, which I would love if everyone did that. But also there's an offer for a free website analysis via video. So basically it's me going through your website, looking at your social media, looking at your SEO stats. You know, There's a whole, a whole checklist that we follow just giving you tips on, on, you know, how things look. And that's a free offer for your audience. That's, that's cool. And I think, uh, I think you guys have some, uh, some really good case studies on how you've done different things with direct mail and digital and stuff like that on there too. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, we do. We're, we're trying to add to that. Um, we're trying to add to that every month. Um, so that's something that case study section is, is, a is an ongoing, ongoing project for us. Yeah. I would uh, I would have to guess, Dean, that when uh, Ryan's dad and his uncle started the company, they probably didn't think they were going to have a slash just the tips on their website. <laughs> uh, probably not. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a question. What is that? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know what's going to be the best performing page on the entire site because we have two listeners and one of them is Dean's mom and she's very into direct mail. Um, so oh. it's, you know, it's perfect. That's that'd be awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, sorry. We didn't mention that. We only, we only had two listeners before you started the show. Um, in the first thing, right? Of course. Yeah, it should have been the first thing. Well, it's uh, it's been great having you, Ryan. Uh, Dean, any last words before we wrap up? No, just appreciate everything you've shared. Like I say, I don't know if I uh, snatched away another agenda that we had, but uh, I think it's been amazing. I think there's uh, so many people that listening to this that uh, hopefully this gets their brain thinking. So definitely jump on over to uh, Ryan's website, everybody. It's awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, no, it was the caffeine. The caffeine took over the show right, today. I'm like, I'm having this. This is mine. <laughs> yeah, you're ready to go for another six hours. You're like, what else? Yeah, it's be the last day I have to for a week. <laughs> it's not going to take well tonight, you know, all the caffeine. But <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you go to Valentine.com forward slash Justin Tips to check out Ryan's offer. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk with you guys next time. Later. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.